Welcome to SurfCast. Thank you for joining me. My guest today is Dr. Sean McKinley. Sean is the International Director for the Children's Ministry for the Church of God of Prophecy. He and his wife Stephanie have been married for a very long time. They have three daughters, but the claim to fame for Sean is, my kids like him. We'll be right back, and we'll have our great conversation with Sean McKinley. Sean, welcome to SurfCast. I'm glad you're here, man. Thank you, Will. I appreciate the invitation. It took us a long time to get you in the room because <laughs> you're did. like a traveler all over the world, right? <laughs> yes, I am. So so tell me, man. So, you know, you and Stephanie, how long have you guys been married now? We have been married for 17 years. 17 years. Yes. And you have Is a new a driver test? in the house. <laughs> uh, not yet. Almost. It's coming. Yes. Almost. Yes. Yeah, we, we've talked the other day at church. You know, guys that are listening to us, I go to church with Sean, and that's kind of like a really cool thing because I get to see this guy in the real form when he's not like standing on the stage wowing everybody, and he is legit. But let's go back to this teenage driver that's headed to your house. Are you going to teach her how to drive or what? I am not teaching her to drive. I know this because we <laughs> talked about it the other day. <laughs> no, I do not have the patience to teach my daughter how to drive. Okay, so. now this is a bit strange. We're going to talk about children's ministry today, which takes an incredible amount of patience. Yes. And you're now saying you don't have patience. Hey. When they turn 12 year old, they're not my problem anymore. <laughs> they belong to the youth pastor that and is, their mother. That <laughs> is awesome. <laughs> awesome. Hey, guys, really. So, Sean, you know, you're a, actually, I didn't mention this on the introduction, but you're a college professor and you are a, just kind of a great friend to a lot of folks. But my real value in inviting you to the, to this, to the uh, Surfcast today is simply because I know you and my kids like you, man. You know, <laughs> you, I'm looking at a picture you brought me, which was 1998. Yes. It's Tyler and Nicholas. They were little fellas along with some of their friends in Camp Hickory Hills in Tennessee, right? Yes. Yeah. You were their camp counselor. What do you remember from that day? Oh, man. Your kids are great. Are you kidding me? <laughs> They're awesome. Now, the other boys in that picture, they might there have been a little mischievous, but your guys were great. Yeah. No, I, I loved your kids. And it's so funny uh, getting to know them when they were young. Yeah. And the qualities that they had then, they still have. Oh, good. They're older, good. you know. Yeah, uh, they're like 30 now, man. Yeah. It's your, crazy. Your oldest, Tyler, he's he's always been kind of serious. Yeah, he know? has. He was a leader in the cabin. That's funny. And, of course, Nick there, he was the, he was the comedian, the fun one in there the cabin. There you go. So it's neat to see how over a long period of time. Yeah. Some of those qualities have remained the same. And then when you were um, a local uh, children's pastor at Pierce Road Church where we attend, Benjamin, I think, was in your group at yes, that point, he was. right? Yeah. 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 And Ben was actually a special part of my wedding, too. I don't know if you remember yes. that. Yes. played the violin at he my wedding. He did play so, the violin at yeah. your wedding. That's cool. Yeah. You know, Sean, in your bio, and I got a long bio, which was like 17 pages. And then I got, <laughs> <laughs> and then I got a short bio, which was like two paragraphs. But I love the statement in there said you were called to children's ministry at 13 years old. Yeah. Now, seriously, man, who in the world can hear from God at 13? What does that look like? Talk to us about that. Well, it's an interesting story, and I probably need to make an adjustment to that bio yeah. uh, because um, I was 13 years old and I felt the Lord call me to children's ministry. Um, I was at Camp Hickory Hills where I was a cabin leader for your boys a few yeah. years later. Um, and I don't remember the evangelist who it was. I don't remember what he preached, but I do remember he gave an invitation to come and pray. And mm -hmm. he said, it is possible for you to know what the Lord wants you to do with your wow. life. And at the age of 13, I went up to the altar and, uh, you know, we're Pentecostals. So, sure. uh, 
I was expecting, as camps usually go, altar call time. You come to the altar, you cry, you pray, nice. you rock. Because it's what Pentecostals yeah. do, right? People come around, they put their <laughs> hand on you, they move on, somebody else comes, you cry, you pray, you rock, all that. Uh, but that night, that was not how it happened for me, actually. I knelt down, sincerely prayed, Lord, I want to know what you want me to do sure. in my life. And I felt him say to my heart, I want you to serve kids. And um, it was only in the last couple of years that I realized that although that was kind of a defining moment for me, um, many years before the Lord was doing that work in me, my mother was my children's minister and she would use me as um, her assistant. Mm -hmm. I'd help her gather the props. Sometimes I'd be a visual or an actor in her lesson. So even though I know I felt that call at 13 all along the way, God was using my mom mm-hmm. to kind of lay the foundation for when that call would come that I would that I'd move forward. So, um, so that's what it looked like for me. I don't I know not everyone experiences that. Sure, call. we're called in different ways, um, but for me, that was my experience. Now, how long did it take you? And this is important, I think, because a lot of times we think God's calling us into something, and we expect we're going to step immediately into that, right? Sure. So, how long was it before you actually found yourself? really in, and I hate to use the term profession, but it is your choice of, of work, right? Sure. So before you found yourself really stepping into that, and what were some of the hurdles along the way that you had to overcome to, to really realize, God spoke to me at 13, I believed it, and now I'm doing it. Sure, well, um, it's funny you ask that question because that night, the evangelist had us share if, yeah. if God had spoken to us, and I shared that night, and he very wisely said, you need to go back home, you need to share that with someone. And so I came home. My dad was my pastor. Yeah. I told my dad. Um, and um, immediately I began to face resistance, not from my dad. Sure. Um, I had some sort of personal things that would rise up later. But immediately there was a, I can remember there's a preschool class that needed a teacher mm. in the church. And so I went to, at that time, our Christian education director, I went to him and I said, you know, Brother James, I'd like to teach that class. You need a teacher. I think God's called me to ministry, and yeah. and he said, I mean, this was just within a week, a few weeks of returning from camp, and he said to me, you know, Sean, uh, that's nice, but I believe God, that children are more comfortable uh, with a female teacher. Oh, wow. And so I immediately kind of faced some resistance, and I didn't give up, but yeah. it kind of, there was a delay. Sure. Uh, about six to eight months later, God sent uh, a children's pastor to our church. I expressed to her what I felt God had put on my heart. She affirmed me. She placed value in me. She invested in me. She she gave me resources and training. And um, so I began serving about six six months afterwards, Mm -hmm. um, almost like an apprenticeship under her. Um, And then as I kind of moved out on my own, I would say probably it wasn't until I was in college that I was kind of out on my own as a children's leader in my Mm -hmm. local church. Um, but there were other hurdles along the way. You know, my, I'm a fourth generation minister. Yeah. And, uh, okay. Now which one of your girls are going to pick up the mantle? That's all <laughs> I, I want to know. Three. We'll see. <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, ministry was kind of defined for me what sure. it looked like. It was a pulpit ministry. It was being a pastor over a congregation. And so I had some of those sort of internal struggles mm-hmm. struggles of what ministry should look like. And it definitely wasn't children's ministry, but, uh, I thank God, you know, it's now been 30 years mm. that I've been serving uh, in some capacity in children's ministry. I had one year that I stepped away to be an associate pastor, um, but uh, it's been a tremendous ride, and I thank God for giving me this opportunity. And I hope 
you know, right now I've, I've got such a great opportunity. I'm paid now to be a part of children's nice. ministry yeah. and develop and to train leaders really all around the world. Uh, I never, um, that's never lost on me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I hope that whenever this is done or they're done with me, sure. whatever the future looks like, I hope that you'll still find me on Sunday mornings mm-hmm. uh, in my preschool class at my church yeah. teaching those kids. Wow. Man, this, you know, that's a great story. And, and, and the cool thing for me is I've been able for now, I guess, better part of, well, 30 years, you know, have watched watched you do that, or 25 years, I guess, in particular, watched you develop and do that in, in, in lots of different places, mm-hmm. you know. Um, children's ministry then, children's ministry now. I'm sure the method has probably changed a lot. Sure. But what do people need to know that are sitting out here listening to this podcast that have this function or this idea or this, you know, I don't know, maybe heartburn or whatever the night before that, <laughs> that tells them, you know what, man, I want to work with kids too. What do they need to know about that? Because it can't be the easiest thing in the world. Sure. I'm, I'm a speaker, but to speak to kids, come on, man, that, yeah. that's a little scary. So, yeah. so talk to us about that. Well, I think that you need to know that, um, first off, let me just share my heart. I, sure. I believe, and I have said this repeatedly, uh, and I know there are people who are listening from all backgrounds, involved in all types of ministry. Mm-hmm. I have done other ministries as well, in addition to children's ministry. Uh, I was even at one time a women's ministry director. Let's not talk about that, okay? <laughs> that's a story. Well, uh, I mean, you have a wife and three girls <laughs> in your oh, house. That's true, too. So you're but, still you know, a women's I mean, ministry director. Um, <laughs> I believe wholeheartedly, yeah. and I think I would believe this even if I wasn't called to children's ministry, but I believe children's ministry is the most strategic ministry of the church. Okay. I believe it's the most important ministry of the church. And I think that you can find uh, there are a lot of statistics that kind of bear that out. Um, there, uh, I believe there's a biblical foundation for what we do. Um, so I want to just lead with, you know, I think there are some people who kind of sometimes look down on children's ministry or mm-hmm. we're, that, we're those weird people that go down to the basement, sure. you know, and yeah. never emerge. Yeah. Uh, sometimes there's a hint of desperation because mm-hmm. we're always needing volunteers. Um, but I would just say to people that, um, children's ministry is the most strategic ministry of the church. And so to have that call to be drawn to that ministry, um, is, it's, I believe that it is a divine call that we can receive. Um, sometimes we just see a need and we respond. Mm-hmm. However it is that you're called, jump in and serve. It's, to me, it has been the greatest experience of my life. I've done a lot of other things, mm-hmm. but serving kids in the church has just been incredible. Um, you know, I'll just mention to you a couple of those statistics. Sure. Um, you know, probably a lot of us know that, but uh, less than a quarter of people who are currently believers came to Christ after the age of 21. Wow. So three quarters of people came when they were children or youth in the church. Um, I think this is incredible to think about that the, by the time a child turns nine, they've already established their moral foundation and their worldview has been wow. formed. And more than half of people uh, who have accepted Christ as Savior did so before the age of 12. And, you know, just one more. This was George Barna. He said that uh, by the age of 13, a person has irrevocably formed the majority of their beliefs about God, about Satan, about the reliability of the Bible, what the Bible has to say about the afterlife, about the deity, about salvation, and the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. I don't know of any other better place. Sure. to invest your time and your energy than in children. Mm-hmm. So if somebody wants to do that and they're getting the resistance that you talked a little bit about earlier, you know, how do you, how can they begin to stay focused, keep their minds 
you know, alert on possibilities. Because I think too often we've seen resistance from the inside of the building of the church versus from the outside, mm-hmm. you know, sure. especially in this particular area. So, mm-hmm. so speak to that for just a minute. What do um, senior pastors and board members and overseer types and people that, you know, make a lot of decisions need to know about the value of children's ministry? Yeah, the statistics are fantastic, but helping someone actually say, we're ready to make the necessary investment to raise up a competent children's ministry in our church. How do they do that? And then speak to that children's ministry person who may have hit that first hurdle and never made a stride over it. And now they're, man, I just wish I had kept going. Does that make sense? Sure. It's a couple sure. of loaded questions. You can yeah. parse those out however okay. you want to. But I, I think it's important to, to hear, because again, you're 30 years in this. And yeah, you do train people all over the globe, but you're training them because you're still actively involved in it yourself. Yeah, sure. And that was important to me. Sure. I didn't want to step out of being a practitioner in the local church. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and the arc of that 30 years, mm-hmm. I can see how ministry has changed. Um, certainly culture has changed and how we need to serve families and kids has changed. Um, I would say uh, for the, someone who has experienced that call, they've faced resistance, maybe it's discouraged them. Um, I, I can only speak maybe from my own experience here that I kept that call in front of me. Mm-hmm. And um, the first thing I did when I hit that first hurdle was really just to pray about it. And what it do you took, mean by keeping it in front of you? I kept reminding myself, okay. this is what God's called you to. And even when I didn't have the opportunity, I mm-hmm. began to start trying to develop my skill. Right. I, at that time, it was just reading books. That's all. And there were only a few books in children's ministry. There's lots of things now available sure. to us, blogs and online training and resources. Um, but I did not let opinions of men discourage me before I knew God had put on my heart. Mm-hmm. So um, I again, kept the call in front of me. I prayed, that was all I could do, that, sure. that God would open the right opportunity for me at the right time. And even at the age of 13, mm-hmm. I knew that's what I needed to do. And in time, he did that. Um, I would encourage anyone out there, if they feel called to children's ministry, to start looking for those opportunities to mm-hmm. serve, um, see what presents itself, but also begin growing in mm-hmm. your skill. Uh, seek out training. Uh, there are a lot of great opportunities. There are, of course, schools, institutions that offer sure. courses and degrees. There are certification programs out there. Uh, a lot of tools that people can access to grow um, in not only their skill, but their understanding of this mm-hmm. ministry. Um, and one of the things, uh, of course, we didn't read that 17-page bio, but uh, <laughs> in my past, I did, in, in our movement, I served as a state regional director. Right. One of the most frustrating things that I encountered then, and I still do today, is people who say to me, but Sean, we don't have children in our church. Mm. Um, It always elicits a really strong response in me, although I have to be kind. Um, And just because you don't have children in your church doesn't mean you don't have children in your community or families Mm -hmm. that you need to reach out to. And so I believe every church, there's a call to reach children because children are a part of the harvest. Mm -hmm. Um, And and of such is the kingdom of God. So we need to be reaching out to them. So pastors who are out there and listening, um, again, prayer. It starts with prayer. If you don't have a burden for kids, ask God to give you one. If you don't have someone serving, ask God to to bring the right person to you uh, and then begin to invest in them uh, once you find that person. Um, Again, training, resources, curriculum, 
uh, all the tools that they need. And then one of the most important things I think for pastors to understand is children's ministry can be such an isolating ministry. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, you know, I think about just even our own local church, which I think is true of most sure. churches that I encounter. We have Sunday morning ministry and we have Wednesday evening ministry. Guess who's serving both of those times? The mm-hmm. children's ministers. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of times, again, they're in a separate part of the building. <laughs> they don't ever emerge from that part of the building. Uh, and so it means a lot when a pastor checks in with the children's ministers, um, asks them how they're doing spiritually, mm-hmm. is there anything that they need, just thanks them for serving. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would just encourage pastors who might be listening um, to think of ways that you can encourage your children's minister and make that a priority. Mm-hmm. You know, Sean, I think I alluded to it at the front end. One of the reasons that I, I really wanted to invite you to this conversation was because I've seen the the constant, committed, and excellent work that you do in in ministry, and I saw it with my with my children when they were small boys. To now, I mean, man, they have high regard for you and high respect for you, and it's because you've kept that thing going. Mm-hmm. But you also have a home. Mm-hmm. You've got a wife, Stephanie. You've got three girls, right? Seventeen, and and the youngest is how old is she? The youngest is seven. Wow, yeah. man. And so, yeah, you, any more, you got any more kids coming? No. <laughs> no. Well, no. we'll find that out later, I guess. <laughs> no. so, so, so let's talk about, I hate the word balance because balance doesn't make sense. I don't even think it's achievable most days. But let's talk about doing well at home as well as doing well at work. Mm-hmm. Because you are a successful father. You know, you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're, from Stephanie's opinion, from what she makes it known to other folks often, you know, you're, you're a great dad, but you're also, you know, a loyal and faithful husband. And you're an incredible ministry guy. You do phenomenal stuff all over the globe. How in the world do you make all of that stuff work so well? We know it's Stephanie, but also give well, us some, some points on how can people who seem incredibly busy and crowded make things work so well and spin all the plates so sure. that they're doing. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah. You kind of gave my answer away. It's my wife. Yeah, it is. it is. And you know, uh, you're all of these, all this positive feedback about your boys, you know, I've said for many years that uh, you should write a book about how to raise boys because your boys are yeah. awesome, but we yeah. all know it's Angela. It right? is Angela. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I will tell you, um, I don't know that I'm all those nice things you said. Let yeah. me be the first to say that. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I balance it all well. Um, I, when I came into this role as a international children's director, I knew a lot of travel would be involved. Mm-hmm. And I will just tell you the now four years, yeah. uh, the persistent prayer for me has been, God, please don't let me be so busy winning the children of the world mm-hmm. that I lose my own kids. Mm-hmm. And that's, that is a sincere prayer of mine. Uh, I do depend a lot on my wife mm-hmm. uh, to kind of be that center in the house of, of, of keeping us all going and together. But, you know, I, I recently heard someone, so I can't take credit for it, but their advice was, and I thought it was so true. They said, so many of us in ministry choose to marry the church and date our families. Oh, wow. It should be the opposite. Let's date the church, but marry our families. And I kind of see how that, you know, you can picture how that would work in your relationship. Those of us who are married, but, uh, you know, I try, Uh, I try my best wherever I am to be present there Mm -hmm. and to realize I don't know that balance is possible, to be honest with you. 
uh, I'm learning that there are times that my ministry needs more of me, mm-hmm. and there are times that my family needs more of me, and to give myself the permission to be where I need to be, and as mm-hmm. I said, be present there. Mm-hmm. And um, that's that's how I'm trying to work it all out, and mm-hmm. to keep the plate spinning. And it gets a little bit crazier now that all my kids have activities, they sure. have sports, um, but I do my very best to be there with them mm-hmm. when I can. You know, my dad was in ministry, and uh, he will tell you, he has often said to me, uh, his greatest regret is some of the times choosing the ministry mm-hmm. over his children. Um, but it's so funny. I will come back and he'll say, Dad, I don't. Mm-hmm. You modeled for me ministry. I don't regret that you made those choices. Yeah. And um, so I think having to free ourselves of that idea of balance. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't know that it's possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but wherever you are, that's where you need to be. Be present there. Well, sitting around the table with hands on and uh, Nick and um, Caitlin and then Ben and Lexi the other night and Grant, of course, and my grandbaby. And we were actually um, talking about, you know, sometimes the boys want to mess with me. You know, Dad, you were gone a lot. Dad, you know, because in my earlier days of our marriage and when the kids were small, I, I traveled a lot. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, do, I still travel a lot now, but I, I really was on the road quite a bit in those early days. You know, and they were like, but Mom, Mom, Mom held it together. You know, Mom was here. Mm-hmm. Mom was here for us. Man, I want to I want to encourage families that are involved in ministry, regardless of what the title is, regardless of the position or where you think you might be doing this. Mm-hmm. If you're married and you got a family, man, you you got to understand, it's about doing it together. Sure. You know, I understood many years ago. If I'm genuinely concerned about ministry, I'll never do it alone. Mm-hmm. I'll always have somebody with me doing it. Right. And it was my boys that were with me as well. You know, mm-hmm. I remember taking them to a number. They, they said I was a slave driver. I made it work. You know. <laughs> Child labor was was expensive back then, you know. But 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 what I learned was it's about the togetherness. It's about the being, you know. Yeah. Speak to us. I don't know if we want to do this in a prophetic sense or whatever. Maybe you just do this in an awareness sense. I don't know. What does children's ministry look like in the days ahead? You know, we know we are in a battle for faith in our country all yeah. around the world. We're in a battle between, you know, good and evil, right and wrong, you know. Yeah. Um, light and darkness. What, what do we need to know about children's ministry in the coming days? Sure. And I think it, it uh, that's an interesting question because the time we are in sure. is so unstable and interesting. Um, I can tell you where I, I made a decision. I wanted to see where I felt the Holy Spirit was moving and take our ministry, move us toward that. And then there were a couple of things that I felt the Holy Spirit put on me specifically for our movement. So maybe I'll just highlight those for you. But um, I think... Uh, there's a lot of interesting research, mm-hmm. and I know when we're talking prophetic, maybe we shouldn't bring research into this. No, but there's a lot prof, of research interesting research that's yeah. coming out uh, since uh, last year, actually, and there's more coming out that we've been able to preview. Um, but there's an interesting thing happening in the church. For many years in youth ministry, we talked about the millennials mm-hmm. and how do we reach the millennials. Well, guess what? The millennials are parents now. Yes. And so in children's ministry, we're having to, we're having to flex to see now uh, how do millennial parents uh, parent their children? What are their expectations of us? Mm-hmm. And how do we serve this? And one of the things that we're learning is... Um, to be honest, the millennials are telling us we didn't do a good job discipling them. Mm-hmm. And so to now ask them to partner with us in the discipleship of their kids, um, those parents are saying, wait a minute, I don't know how to be a disciple. Mm. 
They're saying, um, I'm really insecure in my abilities. So I see children's ministry having to fulfill, some churches have family ministry, but a lot of churches don't. Sure. Having to step into that role of not just helping disciple kids, but their parents as well. Um, so I think that that's one transition that's happening. In that, we're also learning that millennials are saying, when I grew up, you gave me programs. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of knowledge about the Bible, but again, I don't relationally know how to live it out. Sure. And so they're looking for us um, not necessarily to have so many great programs for their kids, but relationships. Mm -hmm. um, at the same time, we're learning that most kids say um, that they only have really two meaningful relationships in the local church. Um, and we're learning that they actually need five or six people walking in relationship with them to help lay that solid foundation of faith. So I think uh, in, that, in that vein, we're going to uh, see a move toward being more intentional with dis the discipleship of children and that that's going to play out a lot in helping build relationships for kids, mm -hmm. um, that relation, relational discipleship model. Um, I think also, um, you know, we see a growing hostility toward the gospel. Mm -hmm. um, we see, I believe, maybe Ed Stetzer used the phrase, there's a coercion culture out there that's trying to take our kids. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, parents, uh, kids are being exposed um, uh, to a lot of this culture war thinking. Parents are very concerned about um, gender issues. Mm -hmm. um, they're concerned about uh, gender identity, um, culture, um, I'm sorry, um, racial issues. Mm -hmm. um, so I see that the church is going to have to find a way to address some of this. Mm -hmm. um, they're, they're struggling with things like social media, um, all of these needs that kids have. And so I think, again, we're going to have to lean on one another, lean into these discussions that a lot of people are having um, and to lead families and children mm -hmm. um, sort of in all of those areas. I know for me also, uh, again, I'm a Pentecostal. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and so I have sensed a need to make sure that our kids um, have an accurate understanding of the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. how he operates, how he works, and what he does in and through them. And so um, I see moving forward with the challenges of this culture right now, that that's going to be a crucial component mm -hmm. um, again, in the discipling of our kids, is talking to them about the Holy Spirit, about his presence and his power. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's, a, I think even now and into the future, there's going to be challenges. Um, but with the Holy Spirit's help, we'll be up for those challenges. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm excited about the future. Yeah, I think, you know, I think you're speaking of that too. I mean, whether a person identifies himself as Pentecostal or not, I mean, mm -hmm. you know, the Holy Spirit's straight up scripture and right. Bible and truth, right? Um, Cliff Schimmel, as you remember that name, oh, you know, yeah. he said the big distinction between Baptists and Pentecostals is that um, Pentecostals will sing the same verse over five or six times and Baptists <laughs> sing it like it was written, sure. you know, in the songs. But, but, but we also know that, you know, the, 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 the awareness and the, 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 the mindfulness of the need for the person of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. Why don't you take just a minute, give us a mini lesson on what can parents begin to teach at home if they're, I don't really want to worry about the fact they might not be getting adequate teaching in the church, right? Sure. What can parents do at home to really begin to help their kids to understand 
And again, I might be talking about these millennials who didn't feel equipped, right? Right. To 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 begin at home to help their kids to know this Jesus mm -hmm. that you and I know. Sure. I think we want to make it more complicated than it is typically. Okay. Um, I think you can start out with the basics. Praying together. Yeah. Um, reading the Bible together. Finding an a reliable but an easy translation for kids. Mm -hmm. um, we've, we've just started with Kennedy, my youngest, um, going through the Gospel Project. Um, they have a, a simple storybook. Every night we read it, it's got a question that she answers. Um, I think one of the things that, um, you know, again, trying to have family devotion together, even if it's just once a week, mm -hmm. Sunday nights, uh, we started uh, Sunday night devotions with our kids. And afterwards, we go out for ice cream, try to make it fun, you know. Um, but don't overthink it. Keep it simple. And one of the things that the church can do, um, speaking about these millennial parents who feel so insecure about their abilities, is host a workshop, host a seminar, how mm -hmm. to lead a devotion with your kids. It mm -hmm. sounds crazy, I yeah. know, but parents need that. Um, and we even encourage in some of our training to have that seminar. We, we have a, an actual outline that people can use. Um, but actually bring in a family mm -hmm. and, and let parents watch someone model oh, how nice. to do prayer time and a yeah. devotion with their families. Um, again, there's a lot of other great resources out there. Uh, Focus on the Family has some things you can play when you're in the car with them, just mm -hmm. simple devotional DVDs. Um, start with the basics. Don't make it too hard. Sure, sure. I wonder why we do that. Why do you think we do that? Why do we make it so difficult? Um, you know, I think from my own experience, um, I'm... I'm not quite in that millennial category. I'm right at the cutoff, and I'm kind of thankful for that, right? Because we don't speak about the millennials all that positively sometimes. Yeah. Um, but they're great. But they're I'm great people, though. I'm close enough yeah. to be honest with you that I have at times shared those insecurities about my own abilities. Okay. And I think that's what it is. I think we let that insecurity bring fear into our lives, and we're just afraid. Mm -hmm. It's just easier not to do it mm -hmm. um, than to try and fail. Mm -hmm. um, but when it comes to shepherding the hearts of our kids, sure. what does it hurt to try? Sure. And even if you failed, you mm -hmm. gave it an attempt. And here's the great thing. If you're praying with your kids, if you're reading the Bible with your kids, you're not failing. Right. Absolutely. Um, you know, I was a bus driver for many years and started a ministry a long time ago called The Backyard, which is still happening out of, out of Lee University now. And, um, you know, one of the things I discovered was that consistency and just showing up yeah. matters. Mm -hmm. It makes a huge difference. You know, um, Malachi chapter 4 and 6, great passage, end of the Old Testament, right before the New, right? Turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, hearts of the children to the fathers. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. heard a recent, uh, I don't even know, I, I guess I guess I forgot who said this, so I, I could claim it as my own. I guess the definition of creativity is forgetting who I stole it from, but... <laughs> Um, not true in my world or your world, you know. <laughs> yeah. But I can't remember who said this, but somebody was talking about it's impossible to have a relationship with a human being without really understanding the value of the relationship with the Father, right? our Heavenly Father, mm -hmm. right? Some people have a bad image of Father. I get all of that. point I'm making is this. And, here, and here's where, where I'm, I'm hopeful is I believe that we could see a new revival coming mm -hmm. through the hearts of kids. Mm -hmm. So, Jean... In my life, I'm here probably because of a praying mom, hmm. probably in your situation mm -hmm. as well, mm -hmm. right? But we both know kids who come to church, even at our local church. We bring them into church. They're committed to our congregation. Their families do not come. Sure. 
you know, they can really um, learn that they can make, you know, investments in their parents. So for the for the kids that might be listening to this, right, and there may be some out there, you know, um, encourage encourage kids and even you said earlier you know once they get old enough you toss them to the youth pastor that's his problem <laughs> right well it's not really his problem it's all of our problems right <laughs> that's true but 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 encourage the kids that might be listening to this if they don't have the support of a home mm. what can they do and i know you say pray and i get to that and i mean i believe that walk us through as a parent and a minister and a, a prophetic voice mm. what can these kids do to find that father. Mm. Well, I think we have to understand um, that before children uh, in our ministries can really, I believe, become what God really wants them to be, they have to feel like they belong to our community. Mm. And we have to find intentional ways to connect with our kids mm. that they don't fall through the cracks. Again, there's a, a great book, I, um, Sticky Faith, Kara Powell, that tells us that for children to remain connected and strong in the faith, they need five significant relationships okay. that invest in them. And so, um, you know, maybe our own ministry context, the kids that we bring in, um, we have to work harder mm. to make sure that they are making those connections, not just with one person, not just with two people. And we can't take for granted some of those relationships that, um, that may not be the teacher. Mm. You know, like you were saying, as the bus driver. Sure. I know you have testimonies of kids that you made an impact in their life. Yeah. Um, but, you know, to, to kids who may be listening out there, um, I d and for the adults <laughs> taking notes, we need to let our kids know their value in, in yeah. the kingdom. God loves children. Mm -hmm. um, they are, his word says they're a gift to us. Mm -hmm. um, he's, they're a reward to us. The word says that God loves them so much he doesn't want any little one to perish. Mm -hmm. um, he wants them all to come to faith. Um, the scripture tells us that the purpose of the church is to equip all the saints. Mm -hmm. And guess what? If a kid has accepted Christ, they're included in that Ephesians 4, uh, 11, 12 passage. So um, we have to find a way. We have to be, and it's only done intentionally, to bring these kids in, to build relationship with them, and then to equip them mm -hmm. uh, as disciples. Mm -hmm. So um, how does someone get a hold of you if they want to connect with your ministry, if they want to connect okay. with what you guys... You also do a podcast, is that correct? We do a podcast, Tell us how they yeah. can do that. So our podcast is available um, on all of the ways you find podcasts. Just search Developing Leaders, Impacting Kids. Uh, we have a couple of uh, basic training podcasts there as well as some series on the spiritual disciplines, uh, leadership topics. Um, you can also visit our ministry website. We have a lot of free resources there, a, a ton of free resources, mm -hmm. video training. We have a certification program. It's all found at cogop.org okay. slash children. Cogop.org slash children. Yeah. Okay. Just, I got a few last questions, oh just boy. for fun questions here. So we'll make the, the serious one first, and then we got some couple of fun ones. You mentioned um, Sticky Faith, but what, um, what's a must-read for you? Okay, well, right now, um, a must-read, I would say, is probably the book I've given, I just gave to over 200 people. Okay. <laughs> it's a book called Resilient. Okay. Uh, it's by Valerie Bell and the people at Awana. I believe it's the most important uh, book in the last 20 years in children's ministry. Okay. Uh, it's all about 
some of what I've been sharing, actually, the uh, importance of child discipleship. And, and it's written from the context that, yes, there is a revival coming, and it's coming from the children's wing. Mm-hmm. So get ready. Um, Man, I, I'm, I'm telling you, <laughs> I sense that in my heart, Sean. Yeah. I really do. Absolutely. And I think that this time period, I love the title of the book, Resilient, mm-hmm. um, because our kids right now, we're learning how resilient they are. And um, I think what the enemy is intending for their harm right now is actually going to be used for their good. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, we thank God and look forward to what he's doing. Um, a couple of other great books. Uh, Reggie Joyner, Think Orange, is a great book. Uh, and the book that started it all for me um, was um, uh, called um, Give Them Jesus. Mm-hmm. Just a great, uh, easy read. Mm-hmm. So those are three recommendations cool. I would give you. There's also a blog on our website, five other books that I would recommend. Just search five books. <laughs> awesome. Well, I see pictures on your social media networks of food that you will partake of in various places around the globe. Oh, boy. Favorite food choice. What's your favorite oh, man. food choice? I wasn't anticipating that question. No, you were not. <laughs> favorite food choice. Oh, you know, anything they serve me in Mexico, actually. Yeah. Good. Yeah, yeah, I'm a Mexican I, can, guy, I so. can see your pictures, you know, and you're like, this is like, you know, um, an Americana breakfast in a Mexican country, right? You or, know, or in Central American country. Mexico, they serve you tacos for breakfast. <laughs> yes, I mean, they do. come on. Yes, they do. What's, what's wrong with that? Yeah, I was in Indonesia a couple of years ago. My goodness, man, it, it was crazy. The buffet they had for breakfast mm. had like 120 items. I don't know. I took <laughs> and it was like a 630 in the morning, oh, you know, man. and I'm taking pictures and I'm like, this is wild. What do you do for fun, Sean? We know what you do for a profession. We know what you do for, but what do you do what to, to refuel yourself? <laughs> you know, what do you do to, to unpack, to, yeah, to relax? You know, I uh, enjoy movies. Yeah. I enjoy going to the movies because you have to turn your phone off. Nobody yeah. can connect with you. Uh, so uh, I enjoy seeing movies. I enjoy seeing movies with my family, yeah. but I also enjoy seeing them on my own. So that's probably how I sort of decompress after a trip. Oh, that's cool, man. Um, closing final words for our audience. What do you want to say? Well, what do they need to remember? Um, I would hope that they would remember that children's ministry is the most strategic ministry of the church. Yeah. It is worth the hard work. It's worth sometimes the disappointment. Mm-hmm. It's worth the investment um, that you will make financially as well as in, with people resources. Um, I don't know how you can see a future in your church if you're not reaching kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, if you're out there and maybe you felt this call to ministry, find somebody to partner with you. Certainly you can access our resources. We'd love to help you out. Yeah. Um, but be a part of this growing army because I do believe, as we said just a few moments, that mm-hmm. there is a revival coming and uh, it's going to start with the children. Yeah. Man, I champion that. I believe that. I concur with that. And uh, Sean, it's great to have you on the episode Thank today. You. And just the 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 um, man, the respect that we have for you, recognizing that you could be doing just about anything you wanted to do, because your gift area is there, your commitment to excellence is there. Thank you for serving kids, and thank you for serving kids in the movement that I call home. You know, and I'm thankful for that. So, thank you. Thank you for joining us today. We appreciate you taking time to listen to us. And as always, I want to remind you that you're made for more. I don't know what the more is for you. I don't know what that means. You'll have to talk to the creator, listen to him, let him speak it clearly to you today. But what I do know is that God gave you um, a reason for existence, and that's to make life work better for somebody else. So in going on about your own life, 
Don't forget, you're made for more. Make an impact. Make it work. And until next time, we'll catch you on Surfcast. Have a great day. Thanks for tuning in to Surfcast with Dr. William Lamb. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Surfcast to stay updated on special guests and future episodes.